Happy Monday and welcome into the first edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. I'm Colin Logston. I'm Evan Sashella. And I am Vaughn Lozon. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl coming up. We got the Pro Bowl this week and we'll get to some Tigers offseason talk as well. So let's dive on in. The first, the first thing, we now have Super Bowl 50 lined up. The two teams are the Carolina Panthers out of the NFC and the Denver Broncos out of the AFC. So let's talk about first uh, how the games went yesterday, initial thoughts, and then we'll get to some predictions. So Evan, we will start with you. Let's talk about the AFC Championship first between the Patriots and the Broncos. Uh, Brady Manning Bowl, what is it now? 30th now? No. Something, something like that. I think that. it was like 15, 17th, or 17th, I'm yeah. pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was, I, I was expecting more, I guess, from the two quarterbacks. Uh, Brady was rushed the entire game, however. He threw the ball 56 times, 27 completions, four sacks for 18 yards. Basically had like those little inflatable things, the car people that they have outside. This is blocking. Uh, but you know what? I thought the, the Broncos really took it to them. Uh, the Patriots had no rushing game at all. I mean, Brandon Bolden had five carries. And then C.J. Anderson Ronnie Hillman had over 10 for the, the Broncos' side. The only reason the, the Patriots kind of, you know, saved themselves was Gronk and Edelman, their strong receiving core. But, you know what, Peyton Manning came in in the clutch. And, uh, you know what, got the win. I think that Steven Guskowski, that extra point was very costly. Uh, he had to go for the two-point conversion at the end, and it uh, didn't really work out. Uh, I'm pretty sure Roger Goodell's uh, pretty happy. He doesn't have to give any sort of trophy to the Patriots. That's what was going around Twitter yesterday. Uh, but, you know what, Denver Broncos, 12-4, and four, deserve it. Give it up for Gary Kubiak for the job he's done. And I think the good defense, they're going to have a really good chance to go up against really good Panthers offense in the Super Bowl. Jokingly, going off that Steven Gostowski real quick, jokingly I said to my roommates yesterday when he missed that, that's going to change the entire game, and I didn't, I didn't mean it whatsoever or anything like that. And uh, it ended up that that changed the game, and that's why they lost ultimately. Um, well, well, one thing really quick: the Patriots were one of the teams that were vying for that rule change in the offseason. Yeah, one of the teams that was big. They really wanted that uh-huh. rule change, so you kind of get what you mm-hmm. what you asked for. It's kind of exactly very right. ironic. Yeah, and the Denver Broncos, the key to their success has been all season their defense. Von Miller yesterday was the first player to sack and intercept Tom Brady in the same playoff game. Um, I don't know if that's the same just game in general or anything. I heard it was just playoffs, but could be the same regular season game too. Uh, DeMarcus Ware, he disrupted Brady all day. Um, on your left, the left tackle for the Patriots, um, he was out for the game, so they put one of their backup guards to block DeMarcus Ware. Um, and he, he caused havoc all day. He had half a sack, and it, 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 you could tell early on that the offensive line was going to cause problems. Uh, Derek Wolf, he had six tackles, which led the team, had one sack and four hits on Brady. And the thing, the thing that surprised me the most was Demarius Thomas. He only had two catches the whole game. Um, so that, that goes to show how well that the Patriots' uh, secondary played as well. Um, but really, right out of the gate, Manning was throwing everything to uh, his tight end, Owen Daniels, who didn't have that great of a year. Uh, he had two touchdowns right out of the gate in the first half, and he almost had a third. Uh, Peyton Manning just overthrew him just a little bit. And uh, it, it, it's a good ending to what's been a great rivalry for a really long time. Well, it was a rushing attack, too, by Denver. I mean, I, I brought up that they both had over double Yeah, the CJ had a great game. CJ Anderson had that 30-yard scamper. Yep. But Again, this defense for Denver, they have four Pro Bowlers on their team. Now, of course, they're not going to play in the game. But you got Vakib Talib, and uh, you got Von Miller, like you said, DeMarcus yep. Ware, Chris Harris. Those are your four Chris Pro Harris Bowlers. Too, yeah. yeah. 
So you have a really good stout defense, and they were able. That's what you got to do against the Patriots because Tom Brady likes to light it up. You got Kronkowski. Uh, so yeah, that defense was really taking it to him, and I think it should have been, you know what, closer than it actually was. Should have been mm-hmm. a one point game, and then I would like to see overtime in that game. I don't know about you guys, but I want it was really I wanted overtime, overtime. especially I wanted especially since what we saw that night. But uh, yeah, it was overall a good game, and hats off to both teams. Yeah, absolutely. Opinion. Well, the real key what the game was the Russian attack that you guys said. It was Ronnie Hillman taking time off the clock, keeping Brady on the sideline. And I thought the only chance coming to this game Denver had was for Peyton to kind of reach back in time and find the old Peyton. He really didn't. He, he just kind of managed the game. He didn't make a mistake, and Brady did. Brady the two interceptions, Peyton had none. And it was just that Denver defense. They were in Brady's face all game. And what? He didn't even have two seconds to throw every time he would drop back. He was just under attack the whole game. Yeah. They couldn't get their rushing attack going. I mean, they, they're down to, like, their fifth string running back. There's really nothing they could do there. And all regular season, it was kind of Peyton that was always under fire, and Brady always had the time to throw. And this game kind of was a reverse of that. So I think that was definitely the key thing. Goskowski missing, missing that extra point just killed him. I mean, the game would have for sure gone overtime had he have made that earlier. And I think the Patriots, they had all the momentum coming down in that last couple of minutes. The you think they would have won in overtime? I think they would have because they had all the momentum going on their side. They had gotten down to the red zone like three straight possessions, yep. including that last one. If they didn't go for it on fourth down a couple of possessions earlier or last possession, they could have yeah. go there yeah, and that won was the game on too. the final one. Right. So it kind of goes back to Belichick, too, making a few mistakes. But you got to give it up to Gary Kubiak in his first year at Denver, getting to the Super Bowl with a banged-up Peyton and only having him for half the season, Brock Osweiler kind of almost pretty much his rookie year, his first year starting. Essentially. He, he did a good job in Peyton's absence, so that's very impressive by them. Going back to the PAT at the, the first quarter that was missed, did you guys think at that point that the game was going to be decided by that, or do you feel like they were, it was going to be more points scored that wouldn't even matter? Were you, was that going through your guys' head? Cause that it wasn't went through going my, head, my head for sure. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I jokingly to my roommates said, that's going to change the whole game, and it ended up being that way. At first I didn't think that because I thought Tom Brady would be Tom Brady – like he always is, clutch in postseason fourth quarters. Uh, you know, the return of Julian Edelman and Amendola, I thought, was going to be a huge factor in the game, but it did honestly, it, it didn't have any factor at all. He was throwing to Gronkowski almost the entire game. He had over 100 yards, I want to say. And yeah, the extra point was huge, man. Yeah, got, eight yards receiving 144. Yeah. Yep. At the time, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal because they made it look so easy that drive. But as the game started going on, you realize it was going to be a grinded out kind of match. And it was going to come down to one possession. So then I did think they're going to lose the game by one point because of that. And you guys were talking about all the weapons coming back, Edelman, Gronkowski, all those guys. They don't mean anything if you don't have time to get, the, get them the ball. That's why, right. that's why the trenches is the most important part of football. You've got to give your guy time. And on the defensive side of the ball, you got to take away that time. And Denver won the battle in trenches. That's how you win football games. In the second half, too, I mean, you look at the stats. It was 9-3 to three New England outscored Denver in that second half. That means they put 17 of their 20 points up in the first 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. you talk about the trenches, that defense showing up. That's championship defense right there. Oh, absolutely. Those final 30 yeah. minutes. It's going. been that way all season, too. Uh, that's how they won uh, their first game against the Patriots, too. Forcing over, uh, go to overtime, and then they had the big turnover. And that uh, very snowy game in Denver on Sunday night, you guys remember that yeah. game? That was a good game, too. Yep. That's just all these games are leading up to Denver's defense, and I think that's what's going to keep them in the game come Super Bowl time. Well, they're going to need it. Speaking of defense, let's flip over to the NFC. The Carolina Panthers put a beat down on the Arizona Cardinals, and I mean beat down. What was it 49-15? 49-15 final. 49-15 against a team that was 14-2 during the regular season. 
an Arizona team that had beaten Seattle. They'd beaten Green Bay twice. They had beaten everybody, and Carolina just is on a whole other level than the rest of the NFL right now, including Denver. Um, Luke Keekley is just unbelievable. Josh Norman looks like the best DB in football. Uh, Kwan Short, the defensive tackle, is wreaking havoc. And then the off- offensive side of the ball, you got uh, Cam Superman Newton yep. taking over. Yep. I mean, that Super team just Cam. looks unbelievable. So let's talk about the NFC Championship a little bit. It's a tale of two quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Newton, of course, I think he's my, and I think everybody else in the country's favorite for the MVP uh, right now, 19-28, 335 yards passing. And then Carson Palmer, who had four interceptions, and if, if he threw the, threw the ball back into the referee, that would have been a fifth. That's, what, that's how <laughs> bad he was that game. And he was pretty bad the majority of this postseason, which is surprising. Uh, but you know what? Cam Newton, give it to, credit to him. Jonathan Stewart, 19 carries for 83 yards. Uh, Greg Olson, six receptions. They had two, two receivers with over 100 yards uh, catching. Uh, so, but that was that first half. You know, Carolina's a first-half team for two weeks in a row now in the playoffs, 24-7 in the first half. That was really it. That put a dagger in the Arizona that Seattle two weeks ago, uh, or last week, didn't really have. They got to come back. Uh, but you know what? Arizona just didn't have that fight in them. They gave up. And you know what? They had all the momentum, that defense and offense coming together, and they're deserving of the NFC Championship. Yeah, uh, going back on on the comeback made by Seattle, I – I, for some reason, I just I really felt that Arizona was going to make that same comeback that Seattle did last week. But uh, like you said, Arizona kind of just gave up. Palmer had the four picks. You said he also had two fumbles lost. And that's turnovers. It's, it's a huge part of the game. Cam Newton also had uh, one pretty bad interception, but he made up for it. He had two touchdowns over 300 yards. He also had two touchdowns rushing, two, four total. Uh, Corey Brown, he just came out of nowhere, 113 yards, and he had an 86-yard touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk about the defense for the Carolina Panthers. You got Luke Keekley, second straight game with a pick six. Uh, Thomas Davis, he broke his arm on that play where he was trying to tackle Arizona's tight end. Um, but he he's saying that he's going to want to play in the Super Bowl still, yeah. and he had surgery today. Yeah, he'll be back, I believe. I believe and that. We'll, we'll see how effective he is come, come yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. We'll yeah, see. it. it yeah. A big I don't think it's going to be a play lot. and be able to play at 100. percent so Exactly. We'll see about that. Yeah. It was just a turnover festival. I mean, I said the four interceptions from Palmer, but just think about Carolina recovered three fumbles as well. So when you're on the road in the playoffs, in the NFL, that's the one thing you can't do is turn the ball over. And that was Seattle's downfall the week before. Their first two possessions, they had like an interception, a fumble. Mm-hmm. A penalty which made them punt from their own end zone. And Carolina jumped out 31 nothing on them as well. So that's why having home field is so important because you got, you got the crowd behind you. you got all the momentum. And when the road team plays scared like Arizona did and they start turning the ball over, they're just giving you free points. They're giving the game away. But Carolina, they just look like such a good team right now. And they're definitely their early favorite in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure what the line is at right now. Do you guys know? I, I, think, no I, saw, I think I saw it was at four for the Panthers. Like minus four they're, for Carolina? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, Cam Newton's definitely – he's had such an awesome season. Uh, definitely going to get the MVP. Their, their running attack has been great with Jonathan Stewart, that O-line. And just looking at their wide receiver core, you wouldn't think that they would be that great on offense. Cam's making them good. Their best receivers are Corey Philly-Brown, Tegan Jr., and Devin Funches out of Michigan, all young guys who really yep. haven't done anything. When they lost Kelvin Benjamin, their star receiver, before the year started, I thought they were done. I think their offense was already bad enough. You lose your top pass target, your vertical guy down the field, that's it. But it's almost made their offense better because they, they're not relying on him. They're yeah. spreading the ball all over. 
And then you can't forget about Greg Olson, the safety blanket for Cam Newton. He's a, he's the top he's three great. Tight, top three tight end in the league, probably right after Gronk, and maybe maybe, maybe he's the second best. I'd put him at number two. Uh, Jimmy Graham, he he didn't do a whole lot this season in Seattle, which no one really expected him to. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he had kind of a down year too. And um, the tight end out of Washington, Jordan Reed, he, he had a pretty good season. But I'd still put Greg Olson right up there, right below Rob Gronkowski, of course. I'd put him right at number two. Yeah, that was why as well. I was talking about the Carolinas receiving. They had eight receivers that were targeted. Sometimes it's not about who's your receiver, but how many receivers do you have in the NFL. I mean, Arizona, their rushing game, uh, 16 carries overall. David Johnson had 15 carries for 60 yards. Andre Ellington had one carry for zero yards. That was their entire rushing attack. So you don't have that depth on offense for Arizona that Carolina has. And uh, the Arizona, had they targeted eight people too. But, again, it's Cam Newton. Cam Newton makes that team for, for the Panthers. He's going to win the MVP, is my opinion. He has to. I, I, I don't know who else you'd give it to, honestly. There, there is nobody else. Yeah. Brady was making a strong case for like three quarters of the season. Then they fell off. Cam's really the only guy yeah. left. He's been unbelievable. And so much credit has to be given to Ron Rivera and that coaching staff. Four years ago when he came in, they were an absolute disaster. They were 2-14, and 14, had the number one pick in the draft. The year before that, Jimmy Clausen was their quarterback, for God's sakes. They were horrible. And a lot of people didn't think Cam Newton was going to be able to duplicate his success at Auburn in the NFL. They thought he was just a system guy at Auburn. He was an athletic guy who could dominate the guys at that level. But once he got up here, his athleticism wouldn't matter anymore. But he's taking it to a whole other level, and he's dominating maybe more than he did at Auburn. Yeah. He's been great, and that coaching staff, they made so many good moves. They drafted him uh, in 2011, 2012, Keekly. Uh, the next year, I think that's when they drafted Norman, like in the fourth round. So they've, they've done a great job. At Star Latule, too. Yeah, and K1 Short, they're both in that yep. same draft. Both yeah. awesome D-linemen. So they're, they're kind of showing the way how to, how to build a, the team the right way. One thing I wanted to ask, this is, I feel like people a couple years ago felt the same way about Seattle as people are feeling about Carolina right now. They're the up-and-coming team. they got all this talent. They're really young. Do you think people are going to start jumping on the bandwagon for, for Carolina like they were for Seattle? Can you guys kind of see that? There's already there, people so. on yeah. there, yeah. I think so, my, yeah. my roommate's one of them. He, just out of nowhere this year, he said, oh, Luke Keekley, if they get to the Super Bowl and they win, I'm going to buy a Luke Keekley jersey. It's already starting to happen, so I could definitely see it happening across the entire country. It, it's it, it's going to be a force to reckon with for the next few years for sure. Carolina Panthers. This is a team you fall in love with. I think that's what people would see. Al, you know, they had the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson with Wisconsin quarterback for college, going up there, kind of, you know, not the most. I don't know how you put it, but not MVP type of quarterback turned himself into that. Uh, yeah, but this Carolina team, they're young, they're fast, they're physical, they play great defense, they're blowing teams out, and. You know what? They're wearing blue, too. So that's yeah. It's a pretty good color. Yeah. The way I kind of see it is I feel like Seattle, I feel like Seattle, they were almost like the anti-heroes. Like, they were almost like the bad guys, but people yeah. still loved them anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, Richard Sherman was the bad boy, especially after the game. The NFC against Championship, championship against, against San Fran. San Francisco. Yep. He had that big red talking to Aaron Andrews. People kind of hated him but loved him at the same time. And then, like, Marshawn Lynch, the guy who wouldn't talk to the media. So they were almost like the bad guys, but the bad guys that you kind of loved. Like, you loved to hate them, but you, like, rooted for them at the same time. With Carolina, I feel like they're just a team almost everybody loves. Cam, like, they're like the good guys. Cam Newton always gives the touchdown balls to the little kids. They just love to play football. They do. I I think that's why everyone is is really jumping on the bandwagon for Carolina. Cam Newton's not afraid to, you know, do dab dances or any kind of dance, really. I mean, he he gives, like you said, he gives footballs to little kids. 
he truly just loves the game, and that's what I really respect about him, and that's why I am a huge fan of Cam Newton. They have a lot of cockiness, too. Not cockiness, but like they play with passion. That's what Seattle did. Yeah. Like, to go back to Richard Sherman, what he said with Aaron Andrews. Yeah, but last night, Josh Norman, I don't know if you guys saw what he said, but he's like, uh, thanks for the Cardinals for flying here to Carolina, but today was our day. Yeah. I feel like that's something that – I didn't hear that. Yeah, I just, oh. I just saw that, but – Huh. Yeah, I feel like they're almost—they're the good guys that everybody loves. It's—it's the—the dab—the dab dances. It's—it's all that. It's—I feel like the team has taken the image of Cam Newton. Like he's—he's he's the face of that team. They're—they're they're kind of—they've all embodied what he. It's like they're playing backyard football. Yeah, they're, they're just brothers playing football. That's really it. Exactly. But, That's all it is. Now they're all giving out touch uh, footballs to little kids. They're all yep. in, all the charity stuff they do on the side. They're—they're they're a fun team to watch, and they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're good on and off the field for the game. Right. So going to the Super Bowl, what are we thinking? Who's gonna win? I got Carolina. Why? Just because I'm thinking about last time that Denver was in the Super Bowl. That first snap, pay, Manny Ramirez, <laughs> the uh, Peyton Manning, and of course this is a different game, but I just think Carolina. You know what? Their youth, they've got all the momentum. Uh, I think Cam Newton's gonna show why he was number one overall pick back in 2010. Why he's gonna win the MVP. Uh, I think they overall as a team, they're better. I think Denver might be a little bit better on defense, uh, but Carolina's got good of enough defense. Of course, we mentioned Keekley and everybody else. Uh, Jonathan Stewart is going to have a good running rushing attack. Uh, Greg Olson, Corey Brown, Devin Funches, they're all going to have good games, I feel like. And I feel, you know, they'll probably be close in the first half. They're not going to blow out Denver like in the first half like they did against uh, Seattle or Arizona. But, you know, I – it's going to be a good game. That's what I think. But I think Carolina's going to win. I'm going to go 31-27, to 27, Carolina Panthers. So close one. You think yeah. It'll be close. Okay. I think it's going to be close, too, just because of that Denver defense we were talking about earlier. Uh, Cam Newton's definitely going to get to him at first, but like he, like they always do. They Carolina always goes out in front first, and then it always seems that teams try to attack them when they're down, and it worked for Seattle to a point, but uh, Arizona didn't work. But I think that's what Denver's going to do. Like you were talking about, Cam Newton just makes stars out of his receivers. They don't have to be big guys. Uh, Devin Funchess as a rookie, he's he's had a great rookie season, and Cam Newton's a big part of that. Uh, Peyton Manning doesn't do that very much. He, he has Demarius Thomas, and he has Emmanuel Sanders. Other than that, it's not a whole lot. They traded for Vernon Davis before the regular season ended. And he's been non-existent. You, you see yeah, him out I there for, every once in a while, but I he hasn't done anything. They traded for him because he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he re- like, well, he, what was the point? They play Owen Daniels more than they play him, and that trade was kind of, at this point, it was dumb. It, it was very dumb. Like, they gave up, I want to say, a fifth or sixth-round pick, but, I mean, that's that's a future pick. Yep. Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. Yep, he was picked right. 199. But going back to this, I, I think Carolina is going to jump out in front and Denver's going to come back, and they're going to make it close. But I'm with you. I think Carolina is going to win, and it's going to be real close. I'll go. Um, I'll go 35 to 30. Okay, oh, so you, so you okay. both think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, yeah I think it'll, it'll be, be close. close game. See, I'm the complete opposite. I think this could be a blowout. I really? Think Car- Carolina has so much okay. momentum going for them right now. They're going up against a crippled old Peyton Manning. I just think they're going to pull the doors off them like they have been. They don't have that home field advantage, but I still feel like Carolina Nation's going to be out there. They're going to have the whole world supporting them on oh, TV. Yeah. Everyone rooting for them, everyone doing the dabs and everything. There's just so <laughs> much going for them. I just think they're going to get at them early, and I don't think Peyton has enough in the tank for a comeback. I think the only reason they won against New England was because New England's line did not show up to play. 
and they were able to shut down Brady. But I think against Cam Newton, you can't just keep rushing him because he can run around you. He, Brady can't move. Right. Cam Newton can. And that's half of their yeah. offense is the quarterback sneaks. It's that read option offense. It's that vertical passing game to Funches or Philly Brown with all those fast guys. I don't see any way Denver stays in it past halftime. I just don't think they have it in them. I think their defense will keep them in, uh, in like the first quarter, their defense will keep them in it to a certain point. But the second Cam Newton starts going, he starts wearing them down with those five-yard, ten-yard quarterback draws. It's going to get ugly. I say it's going to be a close game. It's going to be 31-27 Carolina. But I say 27 for Denver because you say Payne Man's getting all he's run his tank is running low. Uh, I think that's what people were, people were saying about this week against uh, Tom Brady. You know, I think exactly. Tom, but that kind of drives Peyton Manning to have some sort of success and have all what he does. Yeah, that's Peyton Manning best at his best right there. Good point. But look at the defenses he was going up against. New England, who are the guys in their secondary? Like McCourty, who are their pass rushers? I can't even really name them. Look at Carolina's defense. I mean, that's the one defense in the league that Denver's can't even touch. I think right. Keekley will have a big game. Uh, Norman will have another big game. K1 Short, Star, Latule. Those guys and that defense, that defense, they just know how to scheme and just get to the quarterback and just make it a rough day for him. Even Russell Wilson, they sacked him like five times. If they did that to Russell Wilson, one of the most elusive guys in the league, what are they gonna do to Peyton? You get one big hit on him, it might be game over, and Brock Osweiler's coming in, and it's just gonna well, get up. Russ gonna Wilson, Russ Wilson does have a pretty banged up offensive line. Uh, Russell Okun got hurt in that game, and he was their most reliable tackle all year. And even before that, he uh, the the offensive line for Seattle wasn't that great. But I can definitely see where you're going with uh, with Keekley and all these guys having a good game because they, like you said, they got momentum with them, and they, it, their defense has just been incredible all year. We were talking about the other guy who could maybe push Cam Newton for that MVP trophy. That was probably Carson Palmer. I forgot to bring him up. He was having a great year. Look what they did to him. Four interceptions. They sat him like seven times. I mean, they just he had the most was passing pl- yards and most passing touchdowns in his career this season. He was playing yeah. bad against Green Bay, though. That's what's he was making poor decisions. I think that kind of carried over. And I was where was Drew Stan at the end? Was where people were saying at the end of that game. It was just I was very disappointed when I with Carson and Palmer's play. I, I he had a good season though. I just think he was having such a better year than Peyton was before Peyton got hurt. He was actually playing the worst of his whole career. People were calling for Osweiler before the injury. The only reason he came back was because he got a little healthy and then Osweiler started tanking. So he right. came back, but he hasn't, he's only played like half the season. So I, just, I, I think that defense with Carolina, the momentum they have, the fans, everything, I think, I think it'll be a blowout. My final score, I'm picking 38-14. It'll be an interesting game, though. I mean, you got, like we say, Cam Newton, young, MVP-worthy against uh, Peyton Manning, who's looking for his second Super Bowl, first in Denver. It's going to be at beautiful new Levi Stadium in San Fran. you got yep. Coldplay at halftime. you got the actual band oh, playing. I'm so, yeah, I'm so pumped for Coldplay. It's too bad they got Beyonce in there, though. Yeah. Oh, Beyonce's going to be part of it? Yeah. Yep. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm, actually, I'm excited now. I do, second, I do second dig Coldplay, show. though. Yeah, so. I love my bands. See, I'm a big Beyonce fan, so that, that's, that'll get me Are to you? watch more okay. than Coldplay. I'm not really big into Coldplay. They're pretty good. Yeah. You should check They're them acceptable. Out. <laughs> okay, so before we get to the Super Bowl, this week we actually have the Pro Bowl in Honolulu, Honolulu Hawaii, the annual uh, all-star game for the NFL. It's probably the most scrutinized out of all the all-star games in sports. A lot of people aren't big fans of it, me included. Um, so I, I want to get your guys' takes on it. We're going to kind of talk about do we think – it's worth it? Do we think it's not worth it? What can they do to make it better? Evan, let's start with you. First off, you really have to have it, I guess. You can't really just drop it. The Pro Bowl's been around forever, but, you know, 
it used to be conferences. It'd be the AFC versus the NFC. Now you got is it Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice are picking the teams now, yeah. and it's kind of oh. you know. It used to be after the Super Bowl <laughs> as well, but they bumped it up because the NFL, you know, I they never got that either. They want to just have football. They yeah. can't have that off week they of football. They don't want to have this off week when they have all this momentum. They want you to keep talking about football. Well, that's what media weeks for. Right. They got all the coverage on ESPN. The NFL's banking off that too. But I guess. So. I guess it's it's good because it's reward the players for the great years they've had. And but I'm looking at this: the Carolina Panthers and uh, the Broncos. You know, Panthers have ten people in the Pro Bowl. Broncos have four. Those guys can't play. So you know, you have to have alternates. And then if you're looking for the hometown team, the Lions, you got two people: uh, Ziggy Ansah, well deserving, one of the best defensive ends in the league in my opinion. But you have Calvin Johnson, and again, it's like, oh, Calvin Johnson made the Pro Bowl. Well, he's not going to play, is he? Because he, he never plays. He never, one. he never plays yeah. in the Pro Bowl. It's like, why would I get excited? Because right. it, it's his sixth Pro Bowl. He's only played in one. It says because of his injury, he's waning retirement and all that. So I guess it's good, you know, to have fan engagement, you know, that they have all oh, picked different teams. You select them on a Wednesday night. Expect to learn some sort of playbook before Sunday. That's that's excellent. Uh, <laughs> great strategy. That's, that's when you know the game doesn't really mean anything. Uh, but you know what? People watch it seven o'clock on ESPN on Sunday. I'll, I'll probably watch a little bit of it. Uh, but yeah, again, it's kind of a weird compared to the other All Star games. I feel mm-hmm. like this absolutely. Is just yeah, it, if it doesn't mean a whole lot to anything, I really don't care about it. And that's one of the reasons why I love watching the MLB All Star game. It's first of all, I just love baseball, and I just I just love sports in general. Secondly, the MLB All-Star game means something. Whoever wins that game, whether it's the AL or NL, they get home field advantage in the World Series. And I feel like if the NFL implemented something, and I don't know what it would be, but if they implemented something to where it matters to the AFC or NFC, and they just get rid of this entire draft thing because it's just ridiculous. Having Jerry Rice and... Who is it? Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Irvin. Yeah, have Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin draft picked, these who even players. Who picked those two for that? Like, why did why did they get to do it? Oh, may, what, did, what's did so they have a, Michael Irvin? Did, did they have a draft to determine who's going to draft these guys? Like, what's going on? I I don't understand that. But get rid of this draft, make it be AFC NFC, and make it to where it matters. I don't know how they do it, but there there has to be some way. I mean, for the ba- for baseball, you mentioned MLB All Star. Yeah, that yeah. game matters. All teams represent. You got the home run derby. It's in a select different city. It's usually a new ballpark where they have that. Mm-hmm. This is always in Hawaii, and I feel yeah. I mentioned the celebratory stuff, but it's it's all about fan engagement, you know, for all the sports now because uh, NHL, you know, I think what's it now? They're doing four on four or something. Was I for the, for the All Star game or something? Is it? Oh, I have no idea. I know now the overtime rule is four on four. In NHL to prevent going to shootouts, but I don't know if the well, other games like that. It, it, so. pro- probably something like that. I know they, they may have changed it up. Yeah, I know they, they, they changed, changed it up because they years. they also have a draft. It's like I think it was like Team Lidstrom once one year, right? Yeah. When they picked yep. that, and then uh, yeah, but then there's years where there's like the Olympic hockey where they don't even have that. Huh. To be honest, and, uh, the NHL All Stars game ain't that much better than the Pro Bowl. No, right. It's, it, it's, it's it, like the same. Kinda, it's the same it's thing. A big show. But my biggest thing with the NFL is they don't know how to promote it. Like, you're putting it in the middle of the day in Hawaii, which who's going to fly out to Hawaii for a darn football game? Nobody. Right. Why don't you put it in, like, Canton, Ohio? Put it in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame. That yeah. would make it cool. I've been there. It's an and, excellent facility. Exactly. And there's no lead-up to it. In, uh, in baseball, you have the home run derby the night before. In basketball, you have, you have the slam, slam dunk competition, dunk, the right. three-point, the skills competition. That, it builds up to it. It gets the fans excited. It gets people to go out there and watch. In basketball, they, know, they, they still have the conference. It's east versus west. There's still kind of that rivalry there. 
They know how to bring their older guys in, like Kobe Bryant. This will be his last one. Tons of people will be going there to watch Kobe. And this one, Calvin's not even going to play because he doesn't want to get hurt. And he knows no one cares anyway. They don't know how to build it up. They don't know how to promote it. They're put in the worst location possible. And you're doing the worst time possible. I preferred it when it was after the Super Bowl. That way, the guys from Me the two too, best honestly. teams in the league can actually play in it. It'd be more exciting if Cam Newton could play in the Pro Bowl. I'd want to see him go up against guys uh, on the other side, guys from the Whoever other conference. Whoever gets drafted. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> yeah. other conference, but they don't do that anymore. Yeah. So you could see Cam Newton go up against Luke Keekley. Yeah, I'm sure Keekley's really going to go hard on Cam Newton when he gets yeah. him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a joke. I remember watching it last year, and Stafford won the offensive MVP. That tells you all you need to know right there. He was just heaving up the whole game, and Odo Beckham kept going on making circus catches because DBs didn't even want to cover him. Because they don't care. These guys don't care. They you talk. watch the front seven, they're basically just sitting they, there. They, they run they up don't and they do. high-five each other. Yeah, they're, they're probably, like, hey, good game, year, man. This year they'll probably all dab together. They'll do something stupid. Met the draft Wednesday night. How many practices do they have before that? Two in the walkthrough? Yeah. They might. That's probably what it is. It's, if that. You guys I wouldn't be surprised football. if they just like, hey, here's a playbook. Just go over it, and then I'll see you on Sunday. They probably make up plays in the huddle. <laughs> probably. It's, it's pretty much a game of Madden. All right, Odell, you go deep. Julio, you go deep. Edelman, just do your slot stuff, all right? Brink. That's exactly That's it. how it is. It's, it's a game of Madden, pretty much, but none of the guys even try. Now, if, they, if it meant something, maybe they'd actually hit one another. That'd be exciting if they yeah. all went all out, because these are the best guys in the league. You could get some serious hits, some serious catches. Absolutely. But in defense, in offense, too, they just don't care. So they got they got to find a way to make it worthwhile for the fans, or I think they should just get rid of it. It's kind of strong stance right there, but I feel, you know what, all, there's all-star games in every sport, and it has to be. I agree with the t- changing the time. I think it should be after, and I feel like there mm-hmm. shouldn't be this draft because I don't know if the fans like it. As a fan, I don't like it, really. I like conference versus conference. And you know what? There, but there's that injury aspect. Like you said, people really don't want to try, and that kind of takes the fun out of it, too. There should just be yeah some kicking competition before some sort of lead-up, like you mentioned. You know what would uh, be cool? What if the winner of this game, they went back to NFC versus AFC, what if the winner of this game, the winning conference, gets the Super Bowl at a conference at that conference stadium next year? Like the winner of the NFC, it gets the Super Bowl is at an NFC stadium next year. So if an like AFC that. team is bidding, they're automatically out. Is that what I you're saying? I would say get rid of the whole bid system altogether. Okay. I'd say you have okay, you have a whole bunch of NFC teams yeah. lined up who you yeah. want to get it. If the NFC wins, you go to whoever the top of that list is. Sounds good AFC to me. Win, that'd make it way more exciting. Because what if you're what if you're Pittsburgh and you know you're at the top of the AFC list to get the Super Bowl? The AFC wins. I mean, you're, Antonio Brown's gonna go. He's gonna ball out in that oh, game. Yeah. And so is Ben Roethlisberger. So are all those guys. They're gonna play way harder. So I think that'd be a cool way to do it. And for the fans, it make it way more exciting. Because the Lions fans, you know, Detroit's at the top of the NFC list. You're gonna be rooting like crazy for the NFC, rather than watching now and not even caring who wins. Like I didn't even care if Stafford won the offensive MVP last year. I didn't care one bit. It's gotta mean something. I feel like that's what we can all agree with. Yeah. It doesn't right now. There's People are just dropping. I mean, uh, there's probably some players who think they're deserving of it and would love to play in the Pro Bowl because they think they're a Pro Bowl caliber. But you have Calvin Johnson, Megatron, elected six times, five times. He says, no, I'm not going to play. It kind of really takes the fun out of it, just not just as a fan for anybody. And If anything, they should just try it at least once and see how high the TV ratings go compared to previous seasons. That would just be an interest of me, just to look up, hey, let's see who watched, how many people watched uh, this year compared to, let's say, last year when, like you said, Stafford won 
the uh, the MVP or offensive MVP or whatever. I don't even know how they whatever. Can, I think it's yeah. called the offensive MVP. There's a defensive I, one too, and I think JJ Watt won that. Yeah, if you can't tell already, I, I don't watch the Pro Bowl. Nobody does. There's no. a halftime show too. There's national anthems and stuff. They got Coldplay like, there too. Then they had Fallout Boy one year. No way. Yeah. That's yeah, all. that's cool. And probably they probably don't even show the <laughs> halftime performance on ESPN, so it's kind of worth their cool. Not worth I'll tune in time. for that, but I won't tune in for the game. No, it's just I think at the NFL they're just trying to, you know, they just dominate Sundays now through the first 17 weeks, and you got people care about the preseason now. They have the Thursday night game, and you're gonna have some Christmas Eve games, Thanksgiving games, yep. Monday night. They're just trying to take over, you know, all week, and that's on Fox, on a- on NBC. On CBS, so this is it just one of their things. It truly is NFL season when the NFL starts, because when it starts, you still got baseball, and then it's like, okay, no one cares about baseball anymore. It's all football, and then even when basketball and hockey start, it's no one's all talking about basketball NFL. And hockey right now. No, no not at all. No, just not at all. And the whole the uh, what's the stadium series for for hockey? No one talks about that. And those these are things that should be talked about, but it's truly NFL season from. Preseason week one until Super Bowl. And that's what's so sad about this All-Star game is you're the NFL. You dominate all the other sports in America, in the world pretty much, and you can't even sell your own All-Star game. Yeah. The NBA and NHL, which, I'm, to be honest, most people don't care about, everyone tunes in for those games, especially the NBA one. Everyone tunes in to watch LeBron take on Kobe, to watch the slam dunk competition, yep. to see what Kyle Korver and J.J. Redick will do in the three-point competition. Nobody cares about the NFL All-Star game, and that's the biggest sport. Like, everyone cares about football, but that's the All-Star game that's, like, the worst. So, Good- Roger Goodell needs to find some way to sell this thing, or he should just – I think he should be out. With all the other stuff that's been going on with him over the last couple of years, I think he's a, yeah. joke. he's a joke of a commissioner. Oh, absolutely. You can't even sell your own All-Star game, and you're a billion-dollar industry. Give me a break. I could, I could do a better job selling it than he could. We're I mean, talking to you, Roger Goodell. You hear us right now? We're calling you yeah, out this on is a to you, Roger. conduct. Yeah, they're trying to compare that though to the Super Bowl because that's the end of the NFL season. You get your champion and you get your All Stars together. So like, the Super Bowl's gonna fifty's gonna be the seventh of February, February eighth. They're probably gonna be on NFL Live. Who's gonna win next year's Super Bowl? Because that's such a, it's such a big thing. Like I think the Pro Bowl kind of gets overshadowed by the Super Bowl. They'll have because right now we're having just preview coverage. It, it happened oh, after yeah. the games last night. They'll have their way too early division predictions and all that stuff. And yeah. They probably already have fantasy football predictions out there too. That was the same thing oh, yeah. with the college yeah. championship after Alabama. Oh beat yeah, Clemson. they already have preseason the rankings too, it, and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of just getting ridiculous. Yep. If you ask me, but you know we're all getting fined for calling out Goodell, by the way, right? You know he's listening. He's, <laughs> we're, we're getting fines in the mail you, tomorrow. You know why I'm here. <laughs> you know why I'm here. I'm just here. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. All right. I mean, but we're gonna get fined, so there's no avoiding it now. It's fine. Sorry, Roger. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was all for football. Next, we're gonna kind of transition in for the final final few minutes. We're gonna talk about what the Tigers have done in the offseason so far. They've signed. They've addressed the pitching situation. They've signed Jordan Zimmerman. They got Mike Pelfrey uh, as a setup guy. They got uh, Frankie K. Rod Rodriguez for closer. And uh, just this past week, they signed Upton for outfield. So what do you guys kind of think of those moves so far? I think they really addressed uh, every every facet of this team. I feel like uh, Dave Dombrowski kind of got let go because we all know Mike Illich, the owner. He's always been about, hey, I want to win the World Series. And he kind of traded away David Price, Yoan Cespedes. I think Mr. Illich is like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you tr- – I'm trying to start something. I'm opening my wallet. So I think this – you know, the Upton ad, Upton, he's a 5-2 player. We all know his pedigree. 
Uh, he hit 250 last year, and I feel like that may be some of a concern. I think I want a higher average. But, you know what, he can play some sound uh, offense at the play and defense. Uh, but, you know what, you're going to have Miggy coming back healthy. Uh, you got J.D. in the outfield. you got this entire lineup coming back. If you get Victor Martinez full go as he different than what he was last year, the uh, lineup is potent. Uh, starting pitching, I feel like the first three guys, Verlander, Sanchez, and Zimmerman, if they're all healthy, then that's a solid three. Mike Pelfrey scares me. I think he's like 61 and 81 for his career, and I feel like that's not good. It's the fourth spot. It's not good. And then you have Daniel Norris, who has all this potential, but he's still young, and he had some overcome. He had the cancer he had treatment. Cancer, yeah. Yeah, so he's cancer-free now, but that could still. You know he, what? he showed some promise last yeah. year after they traded Price to get him. I think he'll be a solid guy going forward. I think so too. Um, the back end of the starting rotation does scare me a little bit. Mike Pelfrey, I want to say, went. 6-14 and 14 last season, he had over a 4 ERA with the Minnesota Twins, and they had a pretty good starting rotation last year, and right. that's what guided them to almost winning the division. Uh, but, yeah, like, you got the lineup. You got Kinsler, you got Justin Upton now, and Justin Upton is going to be a great he, – he's not going to fill the shoes of Ioannis Cespedes because he was the perennial outfielder that I wanted them to get in the offseason, and I kind of thought that they would. Um, well, they were in negotiations with him apparently when they when they made the deal with Upton. Yeah, so and that's if, what was that was. If, that's if it crazy. wasn't if it wasn't Cespedes, I would have wanted them to get him. Uh, Alex Gordon was another guy that I've always liked, uh, even though he's been a Kansas City Royal for his entire career. Hits left-handed too, right? Yeah, that's he does hit. Needs, yeah, yeah. He, we needed a left-hander. Um, yeah, we don't have any left-handers except for uh, Victor Martinez and. God knows that he'll probably get hurt this season too. Ho- hopefully not. But knock on right. wood. Yeah, knock, not, on, knock wood. on wood. But he he's banged up all year, and I think to the for the offense, Victor Martinez is the key because you know JD is going to produce, you know Cabrera is going to produce, Kinsler's going to do his thing. Cameron Maben is a good pickup too for center field. Oh yeah, I think that's an upgrade over Anthony Ghost. Um, I don't know if Brad is going to switch those two with you know pitching Pitch matchups or whatever like. They got a lefty out there, then they'll put uh, Maben righties. Maybe they'll play a ghost more. I don't know. I think they should play Cameron Maben more personally. But and then you got Jose Iglesias in the infield. He's one of the best shortstops in the entire game. So just top to bottom, this lineup is incredible. And if you don't get to the playoffs this season, I'm I am very concerned. They've definitely upped the defense last couple of years, which I like, and they and the bullpen and pitching. I think Iglesias. I think he's the best defensive player in all of baseball. To be honest, I think yep. when he's healthy, all the, he takes away like a run or two a game. So right. anything offensive you get out of him is just a bonus. He's a stud, dude. He's he is a stud. He's so good. He just, he, he's he just got to stay healthy. I just love watching. If he can just yeah. stay healthy. Um, I really like the Upton move. I would have preferred Cespedes. Yeah. But the benefit with Upton is he's three years younger. So you get that. He's a little inconsistent inconsistent at times. That's been kind of the knock on him through his career. But when he's going, he's, he's unbelievable. Power, speed, defense. He's just a great. He's like very said, good he's defensively. A, he's a five yeah. five tool player, kind of like he's kind of like a poor man's Mike Trout. Right. Kind of, say. yeah. So is he, if he can pull around and be a little more consistent, he'll be awesome for this team. The three guys that are that are the key are JV, Victor, and Cabrera. If they can, if all three can stay healthy this entire year, which is a stretch, but if they can find some way to do that. This team can go. This team can win a World Series. I think. Looking at looking on paper, this team has the talent to win the World Series. But it all comes down to those three guys. It's going to be even tougher this season too, because they all centrals just they're they're building. Yep. They are building. Chicago got Todd Frazier, 
You still got KC getting all their guys back. Essentially, they re-signed Alex Gordon. And it is just going to be a tough division this season, I, if not the toughest in all KC of baseball. KC did lose um, – who was, the, who was the pitcher they lost to San Francisco that they got from Cueto? Cueto. They did lose Cueto. Johnny Cueto. So yeah. that's a big loss for them. So that, that kind of They helps, only that had him for a half bit. of the season, though. But in the playoffs, he was so yeah, good. Was oh, he was, he was dominant. Yeah, he's in the playoffs. I, think, yeah. I think he was the guy that took him to that next level. Yeah. So I, I could see them maybe taking a step back. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, Chicago's coming up. Um, Minnesota has a ton of young talent. Absolutely. Cleveland has some guys. Yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough race this year. But I think the Tigers, they got the most star players in the team of anybody, and maybe all of baseball. Yeah, and the one thing they improved in is the bullpen. This is the first time where I've looked at this bullpen and I said, we've actually, we've actually got some good guys in here. It's been very inconsistent in most recent years as bullpens, but you got K-Rob, Dutrade. Mark Lowe had an ERA of like one uh, last season. Yeah, he's, If Bruce Rondon can come in with a better attitude with his 103-mile-per-hour fastball, Look out. They got two lefties. Justin Wilson acquired a trade for the Yankees. I really like Blaine Hardy. Drew Verhagen's ready to step up and be the long man. It's a really good bullpen right here, and they're going to need it. I like Alex Wilson a lot, Alex too. Alex Wilson, long, too. Um, he's the long reliever. If a starter has a bad game for whatever reason, just put him in. He could go for four or five innings. He played really set. well at the end of last year. Yeah. He played really well. I, was, I like him a lot. He was the secondary piece in that uh, Porcello Cespedes trade. Yeah, So he yeah. kind of actually, you know what, Cespedes is gone. And we got a good prospect of Michael Fulmer out of him, but Alex Wilson was a big shot, big surprise, probably that most consistent piece out of that bullpen last year. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think uh, the big pickup with Zimmerman, the only thing I'm worried about with him is he's coming from the National League, coming over to the American League. Some guys, sometimes guys struggle with that. Now you've got the DH. Teams, teams play a little differently. I think it's easier to go from the AL to the NL, yeah, as you I, saw with Max Scherzer, go over there and dominate. He's had Tommy John, too. Yeah, Zimmerman has also had Tommy John surgery, so I think that's the only concern. But when he's going, he's he's a great starter, so I think that will really help the rotation out. I think Max Scherzer, though, before he came to Detroit, was with Arizona in the National League, and he really got better when he came with Detroit. Now he's back over in Washington. But I feel like Zimmerman, you know, coming from the National League, his entire career, we could have that same effect kind of for a couple seasons, watch him progress and build to a solid AL starter. Well, Max Scherzer, even with the Tigers, they had to send him down to Toledo a few right, times to course. get his stuff going. But once he came back up, and he was back up for good, lights out pitcher. Sure. One, top five pitcher in, in all of baseball, in my opinion. He was actually pretty younger, too, with the, um, when he was with Arizona. Didn't really pitch that much. Got traded in that big deal, you know, gave up Granderson and Jackson. Yeah. Came over here with, like, Phil Coke and Austin Jackson. Oh, Phil Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Him, but yeah. What a guy. He was really young, didn't have a lot of experience, but now he, he built experience and made a name for himself in Detroit. And he's done, Zimmerman's done that in Washington. We hope it translates to Detroit like Scherzer translated over to Washington. I hope so, man. We need it. The starting pitching was a big problem last year for the Tigers. JV picked it up at the end of the year, nearly threw a no-hitter. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see it because over the past few years we've we had David Price, now he's gone, Porcello's gone, even though Porcello hasn't been that great with Boston. He was still pretty good with us. Doug Fister too. Doug, I really like yeah, Doug Fister. I, I love Doug Fister with I don't know with, why we, we got rid of him for nothing for like That was that was a bad I, move. I'm still confused that by that trade. move. I'm still confused. <laughs> I think all three of the guys they traded him for were gone in the week. That's oh, what probably. happened. Yeah. Yeah. No longer on the team. We're gonna find out a lot about this team over the first month of the season. And we still have a few months before that starts, so we'll we'll talk more about that. That was all we had for the first episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, brought to you by Central Michigan Life. Pick up a copy this Thursday. 
Thank you so much for, for, uh, for tuning in and listening. For Von Lozon, Evan Sichella, I'm Colin Logston. We'll see you next week.